right hey guys um welcome to another edition of culture class podcast uh, the podcast where we get to interact with different people from various backgrounds uh, get to learn about other cultures uh today's episode is a little bit different uh so for those of you who have been listening to the podcast for a while you know that i was living in dc for a while before i moved to denver colorado uh but while i was in dc uh dc has a sizable African population and that's where the African Union mission is and I was involved in a whole bunch of um, organizations uh, that do a bunch of work in Africa and uh, I'm part of a group uh, called DMV Africans, uh, DMV being DC, Maryland and Virginia and one of our members is Fata, Fata Akoi. Uh, Fata Akoi is a young lady from Liberia. Uh, she's really, really, really passionate about Africa. Uh, she's currently a master's student, uh, studying international affairs at George Washington University in DC. Uh, she has a nonprofit called Take Back Africa. Uh, she hosts her own podcast, uh, by the way, called Diaspora Talks. Uh, so if you're, if you live, once you listen to this episode, feel free to check out our podcast also, Diaspora Talks. She does a lot of work on the continent. Uh, she does some work, uh, in Ghana with the year of the return. And uh, if you want to learn more about her, uh, you can check out her website, fataiakoi.com or her podcast website, diasporatalks.com. Uh, this was an episode she recorded on her podcast, Diaspora Talks. Uh, it centers on her trip back to her home country, which is Liberia, and just talking about, you know, the state of the country and what she feels can be done to make the country better and why Africans uh, in the diaspora need to uh, remember where they came from and uh, seek to contribute something back to their country. Uh, I listened to the episode and I just thought it was really amazing uh, what she's doing. And I decided to dedicate this episode on my podcast to her, uh, first by reposting her episode, but by also sharing some of the things she does uh, on our social media handles, uh, you know, hopefully giving her some juice, you know, uh, even though uh, we all don't have like a million dollars or something to contribute to a cause we love. We can try in our own little way to, you know, show support. And this is a way I'm showing support to Fata. So Fata, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, you're a phenomenal, young, black, strong woman. Uh, we love what you're doing. Uh, trust me, it's not going unnoticed. Uh, you form part of the young African millennial group that is going to change the continent in the next decade or two. And uh, I look forward to you changing things in Liberia and causing change in the continent as a whole. All right, guys, uh, enjoy this episode and let me know what you think. That's right. We are living our pro pro life. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Diaspora Talks, a podcast by Fata Akwe. I am Fata Akwe, and it is a pleasure to be back with you all. Happy Black History Month, B L A C K History Month. 
and I am ecstatic. This is my first episode of the year. This episode is near and dear to my heart. This episode is focused on my trip to Liberia, uh, my home country, my country of birth. And it's very personal because it focuses on an analysis of development and where I saw some gaps um, in the need for development, but then also the role that I played or the role that I also see myself playing in the future, as well as other diasporans. So I ask that you listen, you take in, in everything that I'm saying, and you internalize it and see how you can do the same in your country. With that being said, let's get into it. This past December, from about December through January, the middle of January, I spent uh, three and a half weeks in Liberia visiting family, but also doing a much needed needs assessment about the current conditions on the ground and how I can contribute back to development in my country. This trip was amazing, totally amazing and overwhelming at the same time, to say the least, because there is so, and I repeat, so much work to be done. Right now, Liberia is at a perfect place for what we call in the development field, bottom-up development, and an overall system um, overhaul for a system that has been entrenched in rivalries, corruption, and disempowerment. As I go through this podcast, I ask that you listen to my words. I thought out these words very carefully in everything I'm going to say to you. This is not coming from a political lens. This is coming through a development perspective. And I'm going to be talking about areas where I see potentials for investment and my overall analysis on the ground. Diasporans. Our people truly need us. Those of us in the diaspora who have been hesitating to return back home, our people truly need our skills and resources to get to a place where we can truly speak highly about the overall positive nature of development in our countries. My trip to Liberia. First, as I entered Maserato County, headed to Monrovia from the airport this past December, the first thing that I noticed was the gruesome amount of trash on the streets. The fact that our country does not have a functioning trash collection system is apparent. People throw things from their cars, from their homes onto the street without any repercussions. There is no holding anyone accountable to this. And the number of trash sites, or we call them dump parts in Liberia, are everywhere. It is so unsanitary. The first place that I see a chance for diasporans to invest is in this sector, to open up a national trash collecting service where there is a trash bin in every home, uh, where people in every community are uh, have a dumping site where they are able to um, throw away the things that they do not need and keep them out of the streets. The amount of plastic bags that I saw everywhere was truly disturbing. Currently, the rest of the world is trying to figure out how to transition from plastic bags because they have hazardous and toxic to the environment. But Liberia is still behind on this front. The government has tried but failed to get the people to throw away things in the trash because they do not or they did not, excuse me, take on a 
capacity building lens uh, to teach this to the people. And they didn't teach the people why it's better to throw trash um, in these trash sites versus onto the streets. Furthermore, there's no national trash collection service. So what else do we expect people to do? Next on my trip, it was apparent to me that Liberia has a workforce capacity to truly employ people in the needed sectors and revive Liberia's economic conditions. But due to the mismanagement of government budgets, Liberia's workforce is not being used to increase the country's total productivity. In turn, increasing Liberia's overall GDP. During my trip, I saw three to four to five years old boys and girls in the streets selling things like oranges, gum, water, etc. During times where these children are supposed to be in school. It is sad to say, but when I asked this little girl why she was selling, she said that she needs to help her mom pay her rent. And where she lives, she cannot go to school. The money that they need for rent is more important than her going to school. This is the sad reality not only for Liberia, but Africa as a whole. Liberia has a 43% illiteracy rate, meaning that more than a fourth, more than a third of our country's population is unable to read or write at a standard level. But there's nothing that they can do because of the current lack of economic opportunities. Everyone is on a hustle grind. In Monrovia, you can't walk anywhere without people running up to you selling something. And sometimes there are five people on the same side of the of the road selling the same thing one after the other. It's an economic survival mode era. Our people are trying to survive. We've just survived war. Now we're trying to survive life. Nobody wants to go to school when they could be making money. Also, when people get their education, there are no job opportunities and they're not finding anything in their profession. And so most of the education goes to waste. This brings me to motorcycle boys liberia's recently infamous motorcycle boys right now you cannot even drive a car properly in monrovia there are so many motorcycles on the road that it is disturbing they weave in and out of traffic with sometimes four people on the back of them holding items in their hands to get to somewhere faster than cars these boys range from age 15 and up. Some do not even know how to drive a motorcycle, but they want to make money. So they end up finding someone to sponsor them, to drive it all day. And these boys are also doing dangerous things in order to make money. Some, not all, but some have turned to snatching purses, stealing cell phones, and robbing people in order to make ends meet. So many times on my trip, I was warned by family members to be careful of these motorcycle boys. I would just like to say that I had an amazing time when I rode the motorcycles the few times that I did, and even the kekes. I did not have a negative experience, but that was because I was alert and aware of my environment. But I cannot say the same to others, including my family members who are currently still in Liberia and who have been robbed by these motorcycle boys. 
These boys are Liberia's growing workforce that need to be taken off the streets and put into true places of employment, not in the informal sector, but in the formal sector. They are disgruntled and just looking for a way to survive and get by. As more and more of them leave school and are taking up riding up these motorcycles, there's going to be an increase in violence and an increase in frustration and an increase in tension between them and the government. The government had already banned some of them from certain areas in Monrovia, but I can tell you from personal experience that these boys do not care. They are on straight hustle mode and they will stop at nothing to make the money that they think that they deserve. This then brings me to the lack of implementation of rule of law in Liberia. If the policemen and police women, lawmakers and government officials are able to bend and break the rules to get what they want, what makes us think that the people will not follow? Policemen and police women create fake barricades, fake blockades in order to bribe cars full of people to pay false taxes so that they can be able to make money. These are our civil servants and they're barely being paid by the government. Government officials drive on the wrong sides of the street in order to get to where they need to be, not caring who or what is in their way. People use money as a pawn within the system to get what they want. And that is why our society is the same way that it was in the past. This is so problematic for development. Because it undermines the very institutions that are being created and strengthened as a check and balance system. We have to do better. For example... I was driving one day and saw the aftermath of jungle justice. It looked like a man had been killed by community members for some reason, maybe stealing, maybe rape, etc. I don't know. About 30 people gathered around his body. No policeman or policewoman or ambulance in sight. People just standing there. Mocking, taunting the dead body, and recording. Is this justice? Collectively, we have to figure out a way to reorganize and uproot this entrenched system of social and systemic corruption to truly move our nation forward. Liberia needs leadership and direction. A true strategic and comprehensive plan with policies and procedures put in place that not only government, but the people are held accountable to truly manifest a system of change. As I drove through Monrovia, it was apparent Liberia does not have the necessary infrastructure to handle a year of return. It's going to take decades for that to happen, and that is the reality of the situation. I was in Kenya before I headed to Liberia, and I saw major differences. Difference not only in the reliance of the people on the system for it to work, but the system was reliant and accountable to the people. Areas of investment in Liberia include 
running water, stable electricity, paved roads. Speaking of paved roads, the only nice road was the one that was being built from Bonnesville and leading and the one leading to the airport. Downtown Monrovia, Vitown was a pothole central. Potholes everywhere. There was no, no smooth road in Vitown. And that road is leading to central Monrovia. We need heavy investment in Liberia's infrastructure. That might, that might just have to come from the private sector. Because I don't really see how public funds on infrastructure are being spent. Even the access to light at night in Monrovia is scarce. There were many days where there was barely any street lights. One of the beautiful things about Monrovia is that it is ripe for investment. As my friends and I drove up to spend a day at Sunset Beach, I was able to see the full agricultural beauty of Liberia. Such a natural and gorgeous landscape. Everyone is so packed in Monrovia when we can truly be developing the countryside. That is truly where the beauty of Liberia resides. Next, I want to talk about Zogos. <laughs> Zogos. Liberia is struggling with the aftermath of war severely. In Liberia, Zogo is a term for an ex-child soldier and those who live on the street who've been shunned from society. While I was there, I saw Zogos, our brothers and sisters, being isolated, made fun of, and kicked out of places. These people who have been shunned from our communities are on heavy drugs and are going to be a problem for Liberia's national security in the future if the right mental health services and resources are not invested into creating an alternative means of living for these folks. I heard so many stories. Stories of Zogo sleeping in the cemetery at night and digging up coffins to grind up the bones in order to get the filmidehyde from the dead body to smoke and get high. Others talk about them taking the acid from light bulbs to smoke it to get high. These are the aftermath of trauma and war. And we are doing nothing as a nation to address it nationally. There are so many mental health practitioners in the diaspora that can really channel their efforts into addressing this and working with this vulnerable population. It is really something that we have to address as a nation. We are seeing the aftermath of lived trauma every day, and yet people feel helpless that there's nothing that can be done about it. But we know there is something that can be done about it. Next, Waterside Market. One day, my older sister asked me if I wanted to run errands with her in town 
and I agreed to follow suit. We hopped in a taxi and headed towards Waterside Market. Chaotic Waterside Market offers almost everything for sale at an affordable and bargaining price. From colorful textiles to shoes to leather goods to pottery, anything you can name. This busy place is in central Monrovia, packed with thousands of people daily. But there is a downside to Waterside Market. The foul smell of feces and urine fill the air with an unbearable aroma. Yes, this has been this way for decades, but come on, Liberia. We are in the 21st century, and people are still throwing poopoo water from their homes into the streets, and with the lack of a drainage system, people are just sitting in this filth. It is so unsanitary. You literally have to cover your nose and mouth to breathe in some areas due to the foul and unbearable smell. This place is in central Monrovia in our quote-unquote downtown. This should be a market where we are bringing visitors to show them the beauty of Monrovia. But something needs to be done. First, in the infrastructure where there's a drainage system to actually drain the water that settles in this area. It, just talking about it, I can still smell the area. We must create a place that we would want to tell others and boast about, but this is not it. This must change. How can we talk about the beauty of Liberia and the beauty of central Monrovia when Waterside Market sits in central Monrovia uncared for? Next, I want to talk about Liberian politics. <laughs> Liberian politics. We, as in us, that are passionate about Liberian development cannot even go on Facebook or even listen to the radio in Liberia because the focus is not on the role that each of us can play in developing our country. All we hear about is the government versus one man. In the words of my mentor, Blee J. Ennis, one man and insignificant conversations cannot continuously be the focal point of national news every single day in Liberia? Can we start having constructive and progressive discussions on education, health care, infrastructure, entrepreneurship, technology, construction, agriculture, etc.? Africa is becoming the focus point of the world's attention now and preparing to be a player in the continent's success should be where our collective energy and conversations are focused. People get their nutrition from what they are fed and we cannot continue to feed the Liberian people negativity while expecting healthy growth and change. End quote. <laughs> <laughs> 
This statement rings true to so many of us that have a passion and drive for development and want to be change agents in our country. We truly need to shift the narrative and act collectively if we want to see Liberia thrive and prosper. When will we change the national debate to progressive discussions on moving Liberia forward? We are so entrenched in finding the bad guy that we forget that our children will label us all as bad guys if they inherit our country the way it is. When will we, people of Liberia, realize that we make up the system and that we are ultimately the root of our own demise of the root or the root of our own successes if we deem fit? Liberia is ripe for investment, and I still stand by that. Liberia right now needs the capacity of its diaspora. During my trip, there were many positives. First, there's no place like home. It felt so good to be home and not have to code switch. I felt so comfortable speaking Koloqua. I felt so free being myself. It was such a transparent and liberating feeling to be home. There is truly a sense of liberation, and I never felt so me. That feeling is like no other, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to travel back and forth. While I was in Liberia, I visited my old elementary school, Zoe Louis Preparatory in Bonnesville, and distributed about 200 notebooks and 575 pencils to students on behalf of of the Take Back Africa Foundation. This year, our projects are focused on education and investing in education initiatives on the continent of Africa. After I distributed the notebooks, I came back and I spent about an entire day with my principal, Miss Reynolds, discussing and getting her take on the conditions of Liberia and on what the school needs help with. She told me that the school needed textbooks and that is their number one priority. They needed modern science and math textbooks for students because everything that they are learning is from an older curriculum. Now, as I sat there and listened to her, I thought to myself, what I just did is part of the problem. I came here thinking, oh yeah, they might need notebooks and pencils because why not? It's Liberia. I came here with my own intentions to distribute what I thought was necessary. But I should have asked before I came what was truly needed. So, so many times, we as diasporans return home with the notion that we know what is needed on the ground. But the truth is, if we do not ask, we do not know. And when we do not ask, we act like we are the experts on the ground for the situation that we are removed from. This is the same thing that we yell at the foreign NGOs for. And we perpetuate the same stereotype. 
Next, I want to highlight a few Liberians, some from the diaspora and some on the ground, that have been doing some amazing work. These are the change agents that have put Liberia on their back and are living and breathing development in Liberia. I met with these individuals on my trip and they helped shape my analysis um, about the current conditions in Liberia and where we go from here. First, Alex Devine. Alex is the founder and CEO of Youth for Change in Liberia. Youth for Change exists to bridge the gap between the vulnerable and invulnerable by equipping and empowering them for future leadership. Youth for Change is also in charge of Liberia's national debate. Liberia's national debate focuses on equipping the next generation of leaders with the research and critical thinking skills needed to engage through policy debates. He's been doing this since 2015 and has since conducted it annually. He has groomed with over, him and his team, excuse me, have groomed over 1,500 high school students from across the 15 counties in debate and public speaking skills. Alex does this work from his own pocket without government support, but the support of GoFundMe donations, Orange Liberia, and Liberia's YMCA. Next, Blee J. Ennis. Blee J. Ennis, my favorite Liberian, is a Liberian from the diaspora that inspires me daily. His love for Liberia is beyond compare. He started a real estate investment firm called Tri Buchanan in Liberia, helping modernize and rebuild Liberia's infrastructure, one home at a time. Many of us in the diaspora are his clients, and many of us have expressed the lack of local integrity, professionalism, and skilled labor, which provides hindrances to entrusting our projects and resources with family members, friends, or unqualified contractors. Bleejay's company, Tribucanon, is positioned to give his clients the insurance and assurance um, and experience that they desire for a successfully executed project. Through his U.S. and Liberia offices, his team and him work with Liberians at home and in the diaspora to bring their vision to life. I've seen some of the projects that he's been working on, and I must say, wow. He is using the skills that he learned in the U.S. to improve Liberia's infrastructure, and that's what is very commendable. Finally, I want to highlight my big brother, Boyka Bole. Managing Director of Liberia's National Drug Service. Boyka is truly a change agent. He is in charge of distributing the drugs that come into the country as well as helping to eliminate the counterfeit drugs that are, are on Liberia's black market. While I was in Liberia, I got to shadow him going to work on his days off, following up with employees and holding himself and his employees to a high standard. He makes me so proud to be a diasporan. He is doing what many of us hope to do, to utilize the skills that we learn here in the U.S. to be able to serve our country back home. Keep up the good work, Boyka. To end, my trip overall opened my eyes to the numerous opportunities that exist to create social and economic change in Liberia. 
But this change has to be organic. It has to be grassroots. The people have to want to see different. The people have to want to be better off. A better off Liberia only exists if we achieve it together. People have to want to not just see, but to invest in that future. A brighter future for Liberia does not exist if we ourselves do not become the change agents that we have been waiting for. We have to hunger for a better tomorrow and take it into our own hands. I am excited for the work that I am going to be doing with Liberia through the next few years. And I hope that every African listening gets a fire in their belly and want to do more for their home country. There is truly no place like home. There is nowhere else where you can go and feel like yourself and be yourself. So why not give it your all? We are exactly the ones that we've been waiting for. So go ahead and comment below uh, about your feedback from this podcast. Comment below about um, anything that you want to discuss relating to what I've mentioned in this podcast. Thank you for tuning into Diaspora Talks, the first episode of 2020. And I will see you all next month. Thank you.